the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's lovely to be, um, to be opening John's Gospel again together. Uh, today we're in John 13, so if, if you have a Bible, if you want to start finding that. Um, I thought I'd take a leaf out of Johnny Baker's uh, book today and bring in a visual aid. So, um, slide's great. Here it is. Uh, The Yates family, we got a dog at the start of this year. His name's Teddy. He's a cavapoo, cross between a poodle and a cavalier. Uh, and he looks like a teddy. Uh, he's got a big fluffy coat, uh, which is lovely and soft. Here he is. No. N- not ah. Uh, because that coat is like a sponge for water and dirt. And he also loves going in our garden. Um, he's always trying to get out where he ruins our flower beds, makes, makes big muddy patches in our lawn, digs and eats everything, uh, chases birds in the pouring rain, and generally gets filthy before then running back inside and jumping on our sofa. So we've always got this towel by the back door. Uh, we do wash it occasionally, uh, but it's always got this smell of wet dog. Um, it's always filthy, uh, and even now, yeah, it still stinks. But I'm going to leave it just sort of smelling, smelling out there, um, and we'll come back to that a bit later on. Uh, we don't have time to look at the whole of John 13 today, uh, but it's really exciting, so please do give it a read if you haven't for a while. Um, There's just so much in it, we don't have time to to do it justice. But we'll read verses 1 to 17 now. So uh, please turn to that if you're able. Um, I'll put the verses on the screen too. Okay, let's read. Uh, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said not everyone was clean. 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you. Please uh, keep that open in front of you if you have it. Today, uh, I just want to focus on a bit of, of John 13, which is the foot washing. But I'd like to do three quick passes of it this morning. Um, I want to look at it three times and each time consider a different meaning. Three distinct but I think valuable understandings. For many of you, the foot washing uh, is a well-known passage, but God willing, he will speak to us afresh as we study it together. I don't know if you can relate to something similar when you watch a movie. Um, I recently watched The Banshees of Insurance. Uh, I thought the acting was good, but I, I didn't really understand it. Two best friends on an island become enemies. That's it. But then I found out afterwards that the whole movie is an allegory of the Irish Civil War. Now I can go back and see there's a much deeper meaning under the surface of everything that happens in the film. We might see something similar in uh, John 13 today, where Jesus, Jesus even tells us there's a hidden meaning to find. Uh, but we'll start off easy uh, with just a plain reading of what's happening in the passage. What the disciples could have understood at the time. Verse 1, uh, we see it's Passover festival. Jesus knows his hour has come. In a few hours, he'll be on the cross. Um, and Jesus is about to wash the feet of the man who's going to betray him and send him there. John writes, verse 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Um, two verses I read to my wife when I proposed were also written by John. Uh, John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this, uh, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And 1 John three sixteen, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is the end of Jesus' public ministry. And what it's all been about is love. For the past three years, Jesus has been loving his own, loving people, his followers, his bride. And in the next few chapters, we'll see him continue to love them to the very end, until death. Love is laying down one's life. That love has been evident throughout Jesus' ministry. We will see the ultimate revelation of that love, its full extent on the cross. But we also see a picture of that love in today's passage. Hence why I think John includes uh, this wonderful sentence about um, love, as well as some others we haven't read. Jesus is going to die, but he's not sick. He will die because his friend is going to betray him. Someone who had a privileged seat, who saw Jesus' miracles, who heard his teaching. Judas will betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Um, that's worth maybe a few hundred pounds, but the amount doesn't really matter. Um, we should be careful we don't read this thinking we're above such temptation. I, I wonder, is there a price 
for which you would portray Jesus? What could Satan offer you that would tempt you? Maybe not a few hundred pounds, but what about a billion pounds or immense power or a dream spouse or maybe just a hundred more years of good health? We should recognize we all need God's help to resist temptation when the devil comes knocking on our heart like we see he's done to Judas in verse 2. John then goes on to show us how high Jesus is and how low Jesus goes. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and proceeded to wash the disciples' feet. And the first layer of meaning the disciples can immediately, immediately understand, Jesus makes clear in verses 14 to 17. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, should also, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's hard for us to appreciate how shocking it was for Jesus to wash his disciples' feet. Their feet would have been filthy with the dirt and dung of the roads. So lowly the task of washing someone else's feet. It was usually done in rich households where they had a number of slaves and the task was performed by the lowest ranking slave. Yet Jesus, even though verse 3, he's higher than them all, brings himself low in washing their feet, even his betraying enemy, Judas. Jesus outranks them all. They should be serving him, but he contradicts social norms. Jesus' example of humility and humble service is something the disciples are to follow when he's gone. Um, Literal foot washing uh, might be nice to do, but that's not explicitly necessary. We don't see the early church doing it, really. Um, Rather, this is the kind of person his messengers those he is sending out, verse 16, should be. Those willing to go low in humble service, not puffed up by the rank of representing Jesus. Not feeding off compliments from others, but lowering themselves with a certain heart. And Jesus says, if we do that, we will be blessed. Verse 17. Isn't that contradictory to the world's view? The world says happiness comes from being served. And we might get some comfort by uh, being served by others. But Jesus says, if you gladly go low in the service of others, you will be truly blessed. I hope you can see that Jesus isn't saying you are low, so do the lowly tasks. Rather, he's saying as his messenger... You have an incredibly high standard in the, a very, very incredibly high standing in the world. You're Jesus's representative. Today, you might not feel important. Uh, I don't know your personal circumstances. You may feel like the lowest of the low, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a high standing human being uh, as Jesus's representative, and from that position, you're to go low in humble service. Or maybe you have high standing in the world's eyes. Uh, Maybe you have authority over others in business or politics. 
or maybe people learn from you as a teacher or parent or, or, uh, or leader. Or maybe you're in school or uni and uh, people look up to you because you're, uh, you're well-dressed or attractive or intelligent or good at sports. You're a high-standing human being, not because of those things, but because you're Jesus' representative. So from that position, go low in humble service and you will be blessed. There is no task below us. Uh, Jesus did the lowest job around and he's better than us all. Um, This doesn't mean you can't also do tasks that have worldly prestige and honour. What matters is what's in the heart. Are you serving? Are you trying to use others to puff yourself up? Or are you trying to serve, bless and uplift others above yourself? The foot washing is an example of humble service. That's our first meaning from the passage. Uh, Now let's look at what Peter says for the second meaning. Verse 6, um, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So there's obviously another meaning for what's happening here. Peter cannot stand the thought of Jesus doing the work of a slave for him. And Jesus could have responded, Look, Peter, I'm making a point. I'm setting an example. But instead, Jesus responds firmly, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter relents and says, okay, wash all of me. Um, But Jesus corrects Peter's theology, telling him his whole body is clean. He doesn't need to wash. It's just his feet. But, But what if Peter just didn't like his feet being touched? Is he cut off? No, this clearly isn't just about literal foot washing. This, this is profound what Jesus says. Peter needs his feet washing, but at the same time, Peter's whole body is clean. In fact, all of you, plural, disciples, verse 10, are completely clean, except one, Judas. So this can't just be about washing off dirt, or even just about humble service. This is something much bigger. How does Judas differ from the other 11? This is about salvation and condemnation. Those in that room who are already clean are saved. Judas, who is not clean, is condemned. So how did Peter become clean? Um, it's, It's not a ritual. It's not works based. It's not a sign like baptism, though though we should be baptised, that doesn't make us clean. What makes someone clean is trusting in Jesus, believing his words, being born again. If you believe, then like Peter, you're clean. You've passed from death to life. You're, You're justified, you're saved to eternal life. When we believe in Jesus, we're washed by the blood of the Lamb, and are completely 
clean. This morning, you, you might know you're forgiven, but you don't feel clean. Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins, he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There could be different reasons why you feel unclean this morning. Maybe you did something in your past that you think is disgusting. Uh, Maybe there's some sin you're still struggling with that makes you feel dirty. Or, Or maybe someone else has done or said something to you that has made you feel unclean. Uh, and that's weighing you down. Well, Jesus can lift that burden. Jesus not only forgives sin, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He takes away all guilt and dirt. Jesus died in our place when we were his enemies. So all our dirt, past, present and future, is dealt with. We're not forgiven and dirty. We're forgiven and clean. If you're not yet a Christian... Know this, through Jesus, your past can be made clean. Your relationships with your family, with your spouse, even with your enemies, can be made clean. You can have clean finances, clean business dealings, clean internet history. Jesus says to Peter and to us who trust him, you are clean. You are completely clean clean which is wonderful news but then why does he tell Peter he needs to have his feet washed this represents a divine mystery if Peter is completely clean why does he need to let Jesus wash his feet well as we know even though we're justified we're made 100% clean we still sin there is daily sin in our lives That doesn't undo Jesus' once and for all sacrifice on the cross. We've been washed once and for all time by Jesus' blood. But we still sin. So we need to continually come to Jesus to recognise he is the one who who cleans us. Daily sins don't undo our justification. They don't take away eternal life. But we do need to confess them to Jesus and let him wash our feet as part of a healthy walk with him in close relationship. Even though we're completely clean, we always need that humility to say, I need Jesus. I stumble. I need to let Jesus wash my feet to confess my sins and continually put my trust in him. As John writes uh, to Christians, to people who are already clean, in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You must never be so proud we don't let Jesus serve us this way. We should never try and make ourselves clean with our religious works. And we should never believe Satan when he says, Your feet are too dirty. Your sin is so bad. Jesus doesn't want to touch your feet. You might as well go on and sin some more. That's a lie. Rather, when we sin, we should come straight to Jesus. Don't let sin get between you and God. Don't let the guilt of sin hold you back in your walk with God. Come straight to Jesus to let him wash your feet. Take sin seriously. Keep fighting it. But when it happens, don't let it come between you and God. 
And don't let that guilt hinder you uh, as an effective messenger for Jesus. We're saved by grace and we're sustained by grace as we daily come to Jesus and let him wash our feet. Jesus washing his disciples' feet is an example of humble service we're to follow. It represents our ongoing confession of sin and daily reliance on Jesus after justification. And we've got one more meaning to look at. Jesus washing his disciples' feet symbolizes his earthly mission. Uh, You may think this third one is a bit of a stretch. If you do, that's fine. Just, Just bank the first two. But to me, it makes sense and it makes me just want to worship Jesus all the more. What's unusual about John 13 is the detail. There is seemingly unnecessary detail here. Verses 3 to 5 could have instead been written as, then Jesus washed his disciples' feet. But all the steps are detailed for us. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal. Do you see there's a so there? Jesus knows he has ultimate power. He's come from God and he'll be returning to God. And because he knows that, he gets up from the meal. He would have been sat rightly at the head of the table, or or rather at the head of the Sorry, the center of the head couch, uh, the place of honor, reclining in comfort. But he leaves that comfort. He leaves his rightful place. Then verse four, he takes off his outer clothing, a one-piece robe. He takes it off basically down to his underwear and he puts on a towel. He wears it around his waist to look like a slave, a servant. He himself pours water into a basin, then washes the disciples' feet and dries them with the towel he's wearing that's wrapped around him. So imagine, as Jesus goes from one disciple to another, that towel that he's wearing is becoming dirtier and dirtier. More and more of his disciples are getting clean, they get cleaner. And Jesus wearing this towel gets dirtier and dirtier with every foot he washes. This towel on Jesus, by the end, it's soaking, it's stinking from all the dirt and the dung. Then verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. We don't hear about the towel and the basin again. They're gone. They're dealt with. Jesus is back in his robe, back in his rightful place at the head of the table, and everyone's dirt is gone. I think this is a picture of what Jesus came to earth to do. Jesus has left his rightful place with God the Father in comfort. He's taken off his glory, uh, laid aside his majesty. He's emptied himself, taken on human form. Even lower than that, he's taken on the form of a servant, a slave. And on the cross, he didn't just pour out water, he poured out his blood. On the cross, he took all our dirt, all our sin upon himself and dealt with it, taking all the guilt and condemnation it deserved. 
So that stinking towel, it's gone. The stinking towel is gone. It's dealt with. We're made clean. Our dirt is gone. We're holy in God's sight without blemish. Once he's paid the debt for our sin, Jesus rises from the dead, clean as well. He ascends and is glorified. He puts his glory back on and returns to God the Father, to his rightful place of honour. Do you see how that's pictured within the steps John details for us in chapter 13? This is Jesus's mission of love, loving us to the end, to the point of death. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your amazing word. Thank you uh, that you have so much to say to us through it by your spirit. Help us from our privileged position as Christ's messengers to follow his example and go low in humble service. Thank you for forgiving our sins and making us clean. When we do sin, Help us to regularly approach your throne of grace in repentance, knowing you will never push us away. Help us to do that in a moment as, uh, as Samuel leads us in preparation for communion now. Amen.